Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Hospitality Hoot. This is a very exciting episode because we have our very first guest on the podcast. Her name is Morgan Raylin. She's a very good friend of mine and a bartender out of D.C. Uh, In this episode, we talk about tipping cultures, pay structures, and general professionalism in the hospitality industry and how we can push that culture forward. As a disclaimer to those watching the video podcast on this episode, Morgan's video on Zoom wasn't up until about 20 minutes in, um, so she's not going to be a blank face for the entire episode. Uh, But besides that, no real issues here. So let's get into it. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Hospitality Hoot. Uh, this week we have our first guest, Morgan Raylin. Um, welcome, Morgan. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for joining. Um, Thank you for inviting me. Of course. So me and Morgan met by, basically we did that uh, online Geneva tasting. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, they sent us little uh, samples of Geneva and then we did a Zoom tasting with tonight's poison. Uh, and then we started a little happy hour chat group mm-hmm. um, where we kind of like Zoom and hang out and drink together. Um, and which I'm still not a part of. It's which like, you're not a part of. Hey, man, sometimes you got to be outside the circle. Um, <laughs> That's what I get for not center. Yeah. But it's been really fun. And me and Morgan ended up having a couple of really good discussions, whether about cocktails or just the industry as a whole. And we were having a, a discussion the other night. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do this on on the podcast because I think that we can really uh, dive into the subject a little bit. Um, and I yeah, think that it's something that uh, matters in the long term um, of our industry. So the topic that we're getting into is mostly about like tipping, the tipping um, culture. If we think that's going to go away, um, some examples of restaurants or concepts that have kind of done away with tipping and how that affects the pay rates of hospitality professionals in the long run. Yeah. It's a big topic. Yes, absolutely. We were talking about that. Like, I mean, in an ideal world, like, do we, do we like tipping? Like, do we like how things are going right now? So I, I think that tipping is really interesting. Um, so when the pandemic first started back in March of 2020, I noticed that the people who would go out are those dedicated regulars um, who tip really nicely, uh, very generously. So for a while, I thought to myself, you know, there, there's a shift between like working high volume and getting shit tipped. And now, like, working zero volume, mostly takeout, but getting, like, I'm not joking when I tell you the neighborhood I worked in and the people who came in, they would be tipping, like, 50, 70 to 100%, which is wild. And obviously, like, because of that, I can say I like the tipping system. But in order to survive, it's, it's so hard. And that's what we're really here to talk about is, like, survival of the industry and people who work in it. Because... Yeah, now that things are reopening a year later, uh, people are going back out and there's all these confusions with checks at the end because you have restaurants who are doing service charge, employee relief taxes. Um, so like when, when you're a guest and you're reading all of that, basically you have your bill and then you have a racket of tax buildup. And then on top of all of that, there's a little blank, there, the, the two little blank places where you can put your tip. And people usually end up tipping really poorly because they think that, you know, the the service charge and the employee relief is part of the tip and it's really not. So, yeah, this is a huge topic because moving forward, restaurants need to be way more transparent about what servers are actually getting in their tips and what they're holding back. Yeah, it's definitely um, I think it's something that places are just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and just trying to incorporate things 
uh, with no actual idea or plan in how much revenue it's supposed to bring in or what it's supposed to counter. They're like, well, just put a charge and that'll help out or something. <laughs> you know? What are those fees actually going toward is what I want to know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of similar to when in California they were banning plastic bags and you had to pay like 25 to 50 cents for a bag. And at these big chain grocery stores, you were expecting like 25 cents a bag, but then you would go to a Mexican restaurant or something and they would charge you a bag for your to go burrito. And you're like, dude, you can't not put this in a bag. Like, what are you talking about? So yeah, yeah it's just kind of the wild west right now. Um, and yeah, everyone's yeah, doing we're it talking a little bit differently. Post pandemic salary and tip out. Um, this was a unique situation for everybody, I think. Um, and I think if tipping wasn't in place during COVID, um, we would have been screwed or we would have just implemented tips back into the, the system again. I think if I owned a restaurant, I would, and we were doing say an automatic gratuity for my staff, I would then implement an additional tip option um, to help with them. Right. But I think talking post uh, COVID when things kind of get back to normal, like where do we see the industry? Um, where do we see, you know, cause places around the country are doing elsewise and uh, it seems to be paying off pretty well. Um, I haven't personally visited a place like that um, or worked for a place like that, but um, you know, you just hear things and that system seems to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so as a, as a manager, wait, are you guys open? Are you both of you working right now? So I'm actually Uh, just bartending. Okay. And I'm taking a uh, leave of absence. Right. And enjoying myself. Um, That's uh, well-deserved, probably, if you're managing. Yeah, I, I recently left my uh, my current position as uh, the general manager down um, down here in San Diego. Um, and it's been good. Uh, gave me some good downtime to uh, kind of recalibrate myself and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, work on things. But we have both but, worked as managers during, like, before and through the pandemic. Okay. Um, it was definitely – I mean, at, I remember at first – the big thing was bartenders are getting screwed. Like not just serve, like servers are obviously like making less money because of capacities, but bartenders yeah. were making almost no money because they had nobody at the bar. And yep. then they'd be getting like the same tip outs from the servers, like anywhere yeah. from six to like 10% of drink sales. So as a bartender, you'd come in early, stay late, clean up, do all this prep, you know, make the drinks for the whole restaurant and then leave with like 30 bucks. And <laughs> Enough these, for an Uber. Yeah. And then these, yeah. these servers are walking with like $200, you know, and they're complaining I'm, that I'm, they're not making I'm, as much as they were two months ago, but yeah. these bartenders are getting like peanuts basically. I'm surprised they're not doing a pool system. Well, that's the thing is every single place I've stepped into has is doing something different. When yeah. I was uh the bar manager at um in santa cruz at this place called suda i was like hey let's do a pool system that's based on hours Um, so bartenders took tables and also did the drinks servers got trained on how to make drinks everybody ran their own stuff so everybody was moving all the time and so it was based on your uh, basically your income producing hours and that's how you get tipped out. It was a full pool system all front of house. I think we also increased the tip out to um, kitchen staff as well to kind of help out there. And then when I went to, when I first moved down to San Diego, um, it was still like uh, 6% to the bartenders from the service staff. Um, over at the Edgewater, and the servers were just crushing it. Yeah, they were doing very well. Yeah, and uh, bartenders had nothing. I mean, as soon as Seth brought it to my attention that um, it's an issue, I mean, because I don't go and ask my bartenders how much money they're making. Um, I just assume that they, you know, were making good money, getting tipped out well, because you just want to assume your servers know how to tip out. Uh, yeah, come to find out, it was uh, bartenders were getting shafted, getting stuck with the most work. Um, then we just try and you know implement a system from there. But trying to 
break down those walls of like it's been this way for so long and this is the way we do it and this is like the culture that they've basically built um to to try and come in and say well you're gonna be tipping this much now mm-hmm. proved to be a little bit difficult for for some of them but uh, yeah. i think in the long run uh what we did is implemented off of uh drink sales only i think they were tipping off of drink and food yeah they're basically they tipped out like bussers it was like two percent of all sales yeah Um, which is ridiculous and the current place i work at is doing another it's kind of more complicated um everybody basically puts 15 percent of their sales into the tip pool and then anything outside of that you basically keep and then that 15% gets distributed between everybody um, based on their hours. So system that works and apparently it, it worked out well enough for the bartenders that they weren't feeling like they were getting shafted and yeah. the servers weren't like getting a huge chunk taken out of, of their pay. So everyone was pretty happy with it actually. Well, do your bartenders get paid the same hourly or how? Yeah, I know so like I think everybody get here gets paid 14 an hour, which is our minimum. That's super nice. Yeah. I mean, when I was managing my first spot, I was getting 15 an hour plus tips. <laughs> so, no, and I did that for two years. And now I'm like just bartending and I'm basically making the same amount of money. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I can definitely make that work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the first like real, like legit raise that I got was during the pandemic when things started to open back up again. And I was one, I was bartending every single day. Like I, we lost a bunch of staff and I was bartending. I was basically opening and closing the place. And like you said, people were being very generous with their, with their uh, money at the time. They were tipping really high percentages. Um, to try to help out, especially because we were like a neighborhood bar and people were like, yeah, man, like, I know, like, you guys are having a hard time. I've been fine because I'm doing real estate or whatever. And so, like, I'll just help you out. Um, and then my uh, the owner that I worked for hired me to build programs for the rest of his uh, locations. And so I was like, OK, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm not going to get paid any less than what I'm making bartending. Right. Like, what's the point in doing that? So I had been reporting all of like 100% of my tips and I showed him a number and he thought it was a typo. I was like, no, that's really what I made. So if you want me to do all this, you're going to have to pay me a little bit more than that. So we locked it in and I got paid 35 an hour full time for basically like a contract. It was like, it was like two months to, to do all this, but it was like, a good chunk of money um, just for that. So that's a very particular situation. It, I think it's I you know, got it paid rare well. for, for somebody. Five an hour is it's pretty high. It's pretty good. Um, even directing food and beverage, I didn't even make thirty-five an hour. Yeah, it's like how much as a food and beverage manager, Austin? Um, I worked as a food and beverage director um, at the Hilton, and I was paid uh, a salary base. Um, it was about sixty-eight. Okay. And did you ever make tips? I don't know what that broke down to. Um, eh, I, I there were some times where I had to take tables, obviously. Um, you know, when shit hits the fan, but I would always give my tips to my servers. I just tip it out evenly. That's um, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never liked claim tips as in a manager position. Right. So if if Congress, or I guess not even Congress, I don't know who, but if if people want to move away from the tip system, what is your initial reaction? Um, I think there's, I mean, just talking about all the different policies that we already just discussed of like how variant it can be and confusing and just in the air, I think to streamline it, it would make a lot of sense. Um, And it'd be more simple. It'd be more straightforward and no beating around the bush with employers like saying, you'll make this much because we estimate that you're going to make this much in tips. Um, I think it would be a little bit more streamlined in the industry. I, I, I personally would go for it. Yeah. But so I think the biggest thing I see with moving away from tips and moving to salary is that um, the way restaurants have it right now, it's pretty easy for them, right? Like they, they hire someone, 
they are only paying that minimum hourly, which doesn't really cost them much in tax. And then whatever the yeah. server or tenor makes, you know, that's on them. And they like that. I think they like having their hands free from that responsibility. Whereas I, if you I certainly want to put everybody on salary, I, w- I was thinking more along the lines of like an automatic gratuity um, and, and still keeping them at kind of like the base rate and just having our diners give an automatic percentage um, to, to put everybody on salary would be expensive for, uh, so for then the if, you're, if you're a diner and you see your check and you got, you know, your total and then you have the auto grat, like. Me, I don't really care because I'm in the industry and I understand why they're doing that. But for a lot of people, it's a huge like deal breaker, I would assume, for them to come back to a restaurant or something. I mean, if every yeah. restaurant did it, they don't have a choice. But then that begs the question, like, well, then why isn't the grab built into the final check? And then, you know, you don't have to have this awkwardness of here's your grat, uh, add more if you want. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think... Uh- I mean, I'd be curious to see what your guys' like ultimate like vision would be for the industry. But personally, I think that we need some kind of like national restaurant like association that's like involved very deeply in opening restaurants and having to go through them in order to open and basically tier your restaurant. Um, you know, it's like A tier, B tier, C tier, um, mm-hmm. C being like, you know, like a, a more entry level restaurant, like approachable, like like an Applebee's and then, you know, all the way up to a, it's like, you know, you got like French laundry, things like that. So like to class your restaurant, like on a national level, um, and then to like be required to abide by like the policies, like a tier is going to be, um, automatic gratuity of this much, uh, when the lower tier, like C tier restaurant could be, uh, whatever the policy may be. But I think that the industry should be a little bit more structured and like tiered, um, with the caliber of restaurant that you're opening. Um, that way our diners actually go in knowing, well, this is, you know, a, a, a nice spot. I'm going to be, I, I, I know going in, I'm going to expect to pay this right. um, automatically. I mean, I'm I didn't see what you guys would think about um, where you see the industry. The tier system, honestly, is probably a really organized way to do it. Uh, yeah. Or like a cl- but- any sort of classification of like, because right now, I mean, they have a lot of like tax-based things that are that are based on how many employees you have, which may be a little bit different than like what you're saying is is basically cost of goods or style of service. Um, because if you want better service, you have to employ a lot more people. So yeah, yeah. Um, I have seen I have seen an example of a restaurant that tried to open and do automatic gratuity. They were very transparent about it. They put it on every check. Hey, don't tip because we already include gratuity in the price and the prices were a little bit higher. Um, And they closed down within like four months because people just didn't like to be, like they they didn't like that they were automatically tipping 18%. Yeah. It's shitty. Like it sucks, um, but I think that people enjoy the freedom to tip whatever they want. Like to tip either as low as ten to fifteen percent, or to also be able to tip as high as thirty to fifty percent. You know, um, it right. gives the diner kind of a little bit of power um, and a little bit of control in their experience. I think that people have become very accustomed to that. So to launch a concept and include gratuity it has to be i don't know i think you have to to have some sort of a voice or influence on the narrative as a whole for it to make sense like you can't just be this little niche spot it's like hey we're just going to do this over here um because then people will probably just not dine there yeah um, <laughs> It makes a lot more sense. It's, it's kind of an all or nothing situation, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody needed needs to be on board or it's just not going to work. So I think building like a national organization, um, you know, how like the like ABC goes out and regulates their liquor um, or the health department regulates and slaps an A on your, your window uh, <laughs> when you pass. Every restaurant is regulated um, doing that. Why not have something like that for, um, you know, like the caliber of restaurant that you are? 
and what those kind of policies um, and pay structures are. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally, if I was to have a restaurant like, you know, 11 Madison in New York, beautiful spot, um, I'm going to pay professional servers very well um, as, as a base. And I'm going to pretty much automatically go to it, grab the check. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that way these guys are making an actual career out of it and not um, pinching pennies and trying mm -hmm. to sucker, you know. Yeah. There's a your, your I think so thing you just brought up the word career, because for me, I think like part of the reason people don't take hospitality seriously um, is because it's I mean, even for me, when I entered it, it was one of those, oh, it's an easy job make as much money as I want, quit, go travel for six months, come back, work, make a lot of money, quit, go yeah. travel the world. But you know, when, once you get sucked in, at least for me, it was one of those like, this is gonna be a profession. This is gonna be my career for the next few years. Um, but it doesn't feel good when you get a new job and you're talking about, you know, I feel like it is a white elephant in the room when you're like, well, how much money will I make? Well, you know, you'll make a minimum of $10 an hour, $15 an hour. Everything else is on you. And like, that's fine to take on that challenge because that just means you have to be a better server, better bartender. But it doesn't give me the feeling and the satisfaction of like, this is a career. Like, this is yeah. my profession. This is the salary I get. Like, I, my first two years bartending, I made crazy money. And I was like, this is unreal. And then like the last two years, excluding COVID, or the last year, it was just kind of like, not making anything and this is so like frustrating and i feel uncertain and like did i make the right choice so yeah i i think that incentivizing people or i guess telling more companies to take it more seriously and like maybe move to salary is a good way to add more professionalism to hospitality yeah, it's like you have the high high tier places like you know um the aviary well even them like I've, I've heard some things that they don't get paid very fairly, mm -hmm. but like, that's the whole thing. You have all these high restaurants who are making millions of dollars a year and they're still running on the same tip, tip system as mom and pop restaurant down the street. Really? Yeah. So. It's definitely disheartening. Uh, if you, if you consider yourself a professional and you operate as a professional and you step in somewhere and they're like, yeah, we're going to just, like you just get tips you're like well i think i'm a little i'm like worth a little bit more than that you know and if you are really good at your job you're going to be spending a lot of time behind the scenes you're not going to be in um like earning tips all the time you know mm -hmm. like it's 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 kind of difficult and then you're like oh all these bartenders are or all these servers are making more money than me and i'm doing way more work um you know like it's it gets super disheartening and it just depends. Like you have to, um, you, you know, you just have to kind of like luck out and get in the right spot, I guess. Um, right. there, if the owners or the company culture actually, you know, respects, um, values or values, industry professionals like that. Um, uh, I think a huge aspect of it is, yeah, they just don't know what you're, what they're supposed to pay. And I don't think they know how much their bartenders and servers make because they're not reporting 100% of their tips. Um, you know, yeah. and that's why we do need more owner training. Uh, we need more industry run and owned bars. Uh, there's a really awesome example of this bar in Scotland. I think it's called the Panda Bar or, some, or something along those lines. And they allocate 20% of their profits and distribute it to the entire staff, which I think is super cool. Um, is that in addition to what they already pay their in, staff? Or in addition to what staff? they already pay. So that gets distributed oh, okay. in basically in bonuses. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, like, that's a really generous thing to do. And personally, like, I think that's worth it for them as a business. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked for Bar Mini uh, for a few months. And like my biggest hiccup about accepting the position was that I was going to take a $20,000 pay cut, like for real. Just because when you enter the job, you start off as a bar back. You just work your way up. Mm -hmm. um, they do a point system. So everything is pooled. Like literally every person that's working there 
is in the tip pool. So you have Bar Mini, which is the bar. You have Mini Bar, which is the two-star two Michelin restaurant. The chefs who are working there get in on that tip, right? Mm-hmm. So they have a, a point system of like nine. So there's nine different point systems. Even the, the uh, dishwashers get tipped out. So at the end of the day, I was getting the least amount of money because I was the newest member. But it was uh, it was hurtful because <laughs> I also found out that like not only are they like there's this complex tier system where like if you're new, you get shit money, really like you're there for the name of the place and blah, blah, blah. The experience and great. They all, I also found out that they're considered a nonprofit, Whoa. which like blew my mind. I was like, what are you talking about? And the manager was like, well, every every dime that we make goes right back into the restaurant. Like nobody gets it. And like I'm talking about a two star Michelin restaurant in D.C., like one of three, I think, here. So we're make, like they're making millions of dollars mm-hmm. and they can't seem to find the heart to take that 20 percent of their profits and redistribute it back to their staff. Instead, they put it back into the restaurant, which I understand but you don't need to be putting back, I think, 100% of your profits if the people who are making you that money don't get any of it. Like, it didn't make any sense yeah, to that's me. Yeah, that's and kind I, of an insane model. Yeah, I think it was a tax write-off because it was nonprofit. Mm. But, like, I was pretty bitter about it if I'm not going to – if I'm being super honest. Like, I was very upset. I was like, I'm already taking a pay cut by taking this position. And now I find out that you guys are making, like, millions of dollars without even considering the people who you are working – and mind you, our shifts are 16 hours, mm-hmm. like 11 in the morning till three in the morning. Jeez. Wow. So it's just like, and our hourlies were shit. I think our hourly is like $4 an hour or something. Yeah. I mean, if, but it's just- if you're putting 100% of your profit into back into the restaurant as business expenses, that tax write-off is way bigger than if you're paying payroll, essentially. So yeah. they were literally just saving money on taxes. Um, I'm sure whoever or they, owned or it. Or they're um, just setting up a donation. Um, yeah. They're donating to this cause and they actually own the donation. Yeah. Um, a lot of shady. Man. I mean, that's how the rich yeah. get richer though, right? It's just. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, and it's it was really hard to talk out loud about that. I talk about it now because I'm sure they're going to change their system. And quite honestly, I don't work there anymore. So I don't have anything to lose. But like. I was just very confused because I know Jose Andreas has his whole like the feeding the hungry and like he has done a lot of great things that are charitable. But at the end of the day, if your staff feels gypped, how how do you sleep at night? You know, you're known for how and granted, like the the tip system and the management is separate from him because he doesn't really take care of that. But he has to at least know and understand what's going on. Like you can't be feeding half the world and then your staff feels like, you know, I'm overworked and underpaid. Yeah. It like it made no sense. I told my mom this and she's like, I don't understand why you're working there. And I was like, Oh, the prestige, the name, the experience on my resume. It's just like yeah, yeah. You know, and then COVID hit and I'm like, Well, why that was such a stupid mentality. Like I feel ignorant as a young bartender. Maybe I kind of felt taken advantage of. So Yeah, sometimes you get yeah. catfished by these like bigger businesses. You're like, they're so like I don't know, you're right, it's the prestige. Like it's so I'm all for one for building a prestigious resume. Um, I think that was a good move. Um, whether or not you got, you got shafted a little bit, Morgan, I'm sorry, but, uh, it looks good on your resume in the, in the end game. Yeah. Be, well, I yeah. don't even, they have this whole, this is getting away from our topic, but you know, I technically am not a bartender at bar mini. Cause even though I worked there for four months, I didn't work there for a full year, Ooh. which is part of the caveat. You have to work there for a full year got to it. proudly say it. I say it because honestly, I, I worked so hard there and it just felt uneven. But anyways, back to what we were talking about, like you do have to keep in mind that like a lot of these fine dining restaurants are making huge profit and underpaying their staff. So like yeah. that, I think salary at this point, you could say most of the fine dining restaurants could be paying salary. And I'm sure some of them are, but there are a couple who are, I don't know, it's a little shady. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, in- what do you guys think a fair uh, salary would be for, say, a server um, at a place like that? Oh, I mean, what's a, what's like California's like average for the salary right now, like around 40, 45? 
for are you talking about like after tips uh maybe gross um like i think a gross salary maybe between 40 and 45 for for a server yeah for California. for a year i think it's around yeah. that it's like I mean, I, as a bartender, as a full-time bartender, I was making a, like just under 40 recorded. Oh, okay. So maybe less. So maybe it's like, yeah, around there. It depends on how much you work, honestly. Like if somebody's working yeah. five days a week um, and they're a server, they, you could make as much as 60 grand in a year, but it just depends on the spot that you're at, uh, what, what the price points are, how consistently you're working. Uh, and your your average percentages. Uh, if you're in a city, I was actually just talking to my my other bartenders uh, at this place I'm at, and they had a before the pandemic they had a late night happy hour, which basically was like an industry hour, um, and they were serving food until like 1:30 a.m. and they said everyone was making like 45 dollars an hour, like wow yeah, um, and that's pretty insane. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's a... The more I think about it, I, I kind of like the idea of going salary on, I mean, especially for some of these nicer, um, these nicer spots uh, to put your staff on salary to kind of build that, um, that vision of like, you know, we're, we're you're in a career. It's like you, you worked up to something. It's like, maybe you went from like a, 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 a tier restaurant to the top tier restaurant, whatever the case may be, but to work, work your way up and land something like a salary position as a server. Um, I think that's something that people would work hard for. Um, I kind of like the idea of having a salary. salary it makes sense for those places that have very standardized service where you're not really getting a different experience uh, depending on who or which server you're going to get. So for everybody to be putting out this, this same amount of work and the same amount of quality uh, assurance and then to basically just roll the dice on whatever uh, customer you have at that moment to, to decide what you're going to make that day. It definitely makes sense to standardize that, um, include gratuities and pay a salary or something like that. I know that employees only in New York has a tier system for their bartenders as well. Like you have to wear your like bartender apprentice jacket for a year before you can get your bartender jacket at least or something like that. So you know, it's interesting. I don't think it works for every, it can't really work for everybody. Um, especially these kind of like mom and pop, a little more casual spots. Yeah, They're already struggling to pay, pay labor as is. Right. But these, especially the hotel bars, I think, because they always have so much more money, um, to dish yeah. out because they got their whole hotel operation. So yeah, they're, the, the food and beverage in the hotels is just like icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. They're, they're making money off of rooms alone. Yeah. But so I guess it's, I mean, like salary sounds nice for more established places, but how do we address places like the mom and pop shops where you know that they're not going to be able to pay salary for even probably, well, probably hopefully a manager, but most of the time from what I've seen is those managers get hourly, that's pretty high. And then there's servers and bartenders get uh, tips. So like, you know, they can't exactly hire five servers, but your salary is going to be 30 K mm -hmm. and you don't get like tips. Like it definitely, like, I think that they should consider the owners should consider uh, salaried positions for obviously their GM or bar manager and their chef. I think those are like the mm -hmm. three positions that are full-time a lot of times more than full-time you're working yeah. anywhere from 50 to 60 hours a week. Um, and if you're not getting overtime, I don't know, it could, it could benefit both people because benefits the owner to not have to pay overtime. It benefits the employee because you have full-time and you can get benefits and you have a salary that you can count on. Um, mm -hmm. I think that part of it is training owners on, what they should be paying people labor cost. Um, and then the other thing is training bartenders or people who are becoming bar managers, uh, or other, or other managers, GMs, whatever, um, to negotiate for salaries when they, when they step into a job. 
know, I know when I got mm-hmm. my first managing position, um, I had no idea what I was supposed to get paid. He was like 15 an hour, you know, there's some manager duties, uh, you know, you get to earn tips, you get to like work the best shifts, whatever. And I was like, cool. Yeah. sounds great. I just want to take the job. And I was stuck in that $15 an hour for two years and ended up mm. really burning me out. Cause I was like, dude, I'm not making Working more than- nearly as much money as I should be, you know, for, for the amount of work that I'm doing for the amount of money that I've made this guy, you know, maybe the first few months where I wasn't that good at it. But after, after a year and a half, I was like, okay, I'm like pretty efficient at this. So yeah. Yeah. I started. Did you, were you able work. to talk to him about a raise or was that out of the, the question? It's it's, he was just known for like not giving raises. So I just never mm-hmm. like asked for one. Good reputation. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did, I didn't, I didn't even get paid overtime. That's like, Now, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, realistically, if you're a, a restaurant owner and your staff is in between twenty-two to twenty-five dollars an hour hourly, then if they're not already on salary, then you're making a mistake, and you probably shouldn't be owning a restaurant. Right. So you're going to be paying them more than if you were to just put them at a base salary. Um, an executive chef, I know, I'm going to be having working overtime. I'm going to be having my manager work overtime. I'm not going to pay him, you know, forty-five dollars an hour to do, you know, a job that he's not yeah yeah it's just if, if you're not putting your management at salary after that point if you're making over like 22 dollars an hour yeah you've made a mistake it's also um it's different like depending on the population of your city like i, I was technically in a small town and any restaurant you worked at like no one was getting paid salary everyone was hourly and nobody even had benefits like people were working full-time never got benefits it was kind of like like uh, restaurant owners kind of like talked together and they're like, no, we don't pay overtime. Like it was just this thing in the town. Like nobody got paid. Right. Um, so like when I came down to San Diego and everyone's offering like health benefits and stuff, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, that's a thing you can get health insurance as a bartender. Like that's insane. Yeah. I mean, the first time I was offered health insurance was when I worked for the hotel and I was like, Oh, and then I started opening up my eyes more and realizing there are other restaurants that aren't hotels that also offer health benefits, Mm -hmm. but that's like, yeah, it's all very confusing. I think like solving this problem is going to be a, a, like take a couple years. Um, Probably a couple decades, honestly, like, unfortunately, everybody on board is going to be a challenge on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. You have got, you ever you worked have... in a place um, that did gratuity-based um, tips only? Um, I've never worked. Uh... I, I did, and it would have been so good, but it um, some of it went to the house, and so the staff ended up getting shafted. But the model was so good because, I mean, it was like a membership club. Um, and, you know, they came in, and they just picked, they had, like, a member account, and they assumed that all the tips was going straight to the uh, to the server. Sure enough, it's, most of it was going to the house, and the server was making, I mean, less than somebody who's working at a Denny's. Um, mm-hmm. But if the house wasn't being shady, they would have done very well. Um, because I know I did a couple dinners, and you'd do a, you know, a 12 top. Their automatic gratuity could be two, three, four hundred bucks or more. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, what is like the most you guys have ever been tipped out as bartenders talking about like one day do you guys do you have a story that just like jumps out at you like this one time serve this guy yeah you you mean you're talking about like one instance right like one yeah transaction um what's the what's the most somebody's ever tipped you guys dude out? i've been tipped i've been tipped a, a hundo for one drink before no. <laughs> yeah that's about i think i have similar like someone's like tipped me a hundred bucks flat regardless of what their check was and they were only drinking and i think they had like maybe three cocktails yeah they just like straight up they handed me a hundred dollars i was like uh do you want change and they're like no this is your tip so like that kind of experience you know i know a lot of people have that kind of relationship with irregulars um i can see like backlash with bartenders like 
getting away from the tip system saying, well, what about the people who come in and order literally like a Hemingway daiquiri and then they give me 50 bucks? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. I still think that they'd be willing to give you 50 bucks. Yeah. I do too. I, yeah, I guess it's just a, it, it is a scary thing to change because even though it's kind of shit and you can get shafted a lot, I think as a bartender, you, you really learn how to hustle in the moment. Yeah. Or yeah. Even as a yeah. So. Well, sometimes like I think that people stay in this industry for like those highs you know yeah. you have those crazy nights like I had a night uh one time this guy was it was a really busy night he was like hey bro if you take care of me I'll take care of you I was like okay sounds good got him a drink I heard that before yeah <laughs> yeah this, I was like let's go one or each right? way this, yeah, guy, this yeah. guy wasn't fucking around dude he would order one drink give me a hundred dollars I'd give his change back he'd be like no keep it he did that for three rounds and I was like, geez, all right. <laughs> like we were, we were doing a tip pool at that, at that time. Um, so, you know, I didn't see 100% of it, but that mm-hmm. was, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, you know, when you work nights like that and it's such a, such a high, or you work like a really busy night and you have a lot of like nice, friendly people and you can walk out with anywhere from three to like $600 um at a on a good night but then the same week you'll have a sunday that you make 40 bucks you know so people always talk about their their highs they don't always talk about uh their lows or even like consider to average it out you know yeah uh, bartenders will will tell a lot of their friends like oh dude i made 500 bucks the other night it's like yeah well what did you make the last three months like what did you make in january You know, it all evens out. Nobody's making like 80 grand a year just bartending. Like that that just doesn't happen. So I am curious, like with bartending, there's also club bartending. Like you, I don't think if you're a club bartender, moving to salary is going to be really shady Mm -hmm. only because, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but you, you know, club owners are not, necessarily the most transparent when it comes to money yeah i've worked for a club and like i feel like you know they 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 figure out the money so you at the end of the night you turn in all your cash you turn in all of your tips um and then they divvy it out Mm -hmm. so like how would that work like i can't imagine a a club hiring bartenders but like your salary is this even though i'm sure they could afford it because clubs make bank it's also like all volume like how do you categorize that like there's just so much so much volume i've actually been considering this like how can we how can you put um the terms of like a bartender and what they're doing and put it in terms for like the regular i don't know other translated to other industries and the way i see it is mm-hmm. basically as a bartender, you're a salesman and you make an average commission on your sales. If you think about your mm-hmm. tips that way. So what uh, somebody like a, um, like at a club could do, you know, you look at a bartender's sales, total sales, and then you get a flat rate commission off of those mm-hmm. sales, right? So instead of just making whatever you're tipped out, you get an 18% commission on the sales for the night. And that's a good way to kind of uh, even even that out. Or yeah. I don't know, just a, a, a just another way to think about it, I guess. I mean, it's good because it would incentivize that bartender to get the highest sales. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a club owner, whoever does that, you're probably going to want around more. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's... There's there's so many different flavors of this, and I think that's why it's yeah. like kind of confusing, um, and it really just depends on like where where you've been and and what you've done. You know, all all restaurants are not created equally. All bars are definitely not created equally. Um, yeah. That's why I think like a tier system may work, but it might even be like too too broad of a brush. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the more the more you start to think about it, all the variables start to come into play, and it's just yeah, everybody's got their own unique story, and their uh, environment's different. And, yeah, yeah. But I think there should be more kind of standard things, like 
I love it when people come to a bar and they're like, have you taken like professional training? It's like, nope. I just kind of started doing this. Um, And there's nothing that really separates like a good bartender from a great bartender, right? You could have somebody that's been bartending 10 years, but they've been working in their, at their local dive uh, or somebody that's been bartending 10 years at like a Michelin star restaurant or a world's 50 best bars or that sort of thing, or a city versus a small town. There's no way to really gauge what level of expertise you're at. And I think that that is a kind of a contributing factor to this um, lack of professionalism in our industry. You know, when you start a new job and you step back behind the bar, there's, there's always going to be another bartender there and you kind of, there's always like this kind of silent interaction where you're like, are you a bartender? Like I'm a bartender or are you just (laughs) like, or do you just flirt with everybody and give them shots? Um, (laughs) you know, there's just that kind of like little, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a silent thing. Um, do you think that it would be easier to like, have this all move to more salary if because you know how the current administration has just passed minimum wage for fifteen dollars mm-hmm. an hour. So I'm perplexed to hear when someone's like, "Well, servers only get paid seven. Oh, and I'm thinking, "Well, I know what you're talking about. Like, I'm confused because why? So why can't we make it that every service industry worker, you know, I think moving to salary is something that we're, we'll talk about and organize like in five years but like for now you know there is a law saying minimum wage is 15 dollars an hour what's wrong with giving every single service industry worker 15 an hour and then you know servers i mean is that unfair to like if your dish is making 15 and your servers are making 15 but then they also have an additional like ability to make more on tips well i mean front of house has always kind of made more money than back of house and over the years you know, the back of house uh, salaries or hourlies have, have been slowly going up, right? Like a good line cook yeah. will usually make like $18 an hour if you're, you know, in a spot like that. Uh, and a lot of times they'll technically make a better hourly than your bar manager, but the bar manager can make tips. So mm-hmm. it, it is kind of weird. My opinion is if you can do that for your back of house, why not do that for the front of house? Yeah. And then tips could get split between everybody, front and back of house. Uh, well, if it was honestly split, like tipped out to the back of house, tipped out to bartenders, mm-hmm. like it, I feel like that would be a pretty fair system and it'd be pretty easy to transition to. Yeah. I'm uh, like, what's holding up restaurants from paying that 15 an hour to everybody? Yeah. I, and, and not, I, I like, I don't like hate uh, servers or anything, but I think that servers are like over, <laughs> I, I think servers are kind of like overpaid and they complain a lot. Um, yeah, you know, they, yeah, they, I, I personally think, um, and I know you guys know the same thing as a bartender, you know, you are a server and a bartender, um, and you should be compensated more for that. Um, I think from the company aspect should be paying you more because it's a more involved profession. Um, and I don't think that it's really being seen that way. I think there are some situations where, um, you know, Michelin star restaurants, your servers are, you know, top tier. I mean, these guys go through serious training, um, and all that good stuff, but, uh, in a normal kind of establishment, your bartenders are essentially your servers, you know, the food menu, you know, all the ingredients and plus you got to know how to make all the drinks. You got to know mm-hmm. all the beer product, all the wine product, um, and to be compensated from the business, the same as your server next to you, who doesn't have all that other knowledge. Um, I think is lacking that professionalism that we were talking about. So I think those positions should be compensated more from the company themselves or get that higher percentage on the pool. I feel like um, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I, and I absolutely agree with that. And servers would hate that you said that. Uh, (laughs) There are certain servers who, who I I truly feel that are phenomenal hands down. Like the the restaurant operates as of them. Um, yeah, places like 11 Madison or, you know, Mr. A's down the street from us or like, all French Laundry. These places are top tier. Servers can't be too upset because I, I would say that the biggest difference with serving and bartending is that servers do tend to get a higher check average. Mm-hmm. Like 
without a doubt, just because of the food that's added on. Usually, like a bar, I probably more likely get two tops and one tops at the bar. Whereas servers, you know, you can hit that like that party of five, party of mm -hmm. six, you know. So. Yeah, they definitely get higher yeah, check it, averages. Um, I think that like a higher yeah. echelon like bartender, like craft bartender, should be considered in the same vein as like a sushi chef or something because mm -hmm. you're making it all, but you're also like face to face serving, um, and you're kind of you're you're doing both jobs. You're both the the cook and the server at the same time. So your sales are directly attached to your uh, productivity. Whereas servers, their sales are directly connected to other people's productivity. Mm -hmm. um, they, have, they have some power to upsell yeah. um, at the table, but yeah. yeah. But they're not spending any time making it, which is why they have more, like they can get higher checks, they can turn more tables, they can make more sales, because all they're doing is sales. They're not in the mm -hmm. product. They're not in the production line, essentially. Right. They're not making the food and they're not making the right. drinks. So that's why mm -hmm. I think something like either a higher, a slightly higher tip out to bar and kitchen or just higher, like a couple of dollars an hour more for a bartender, I think like based yeah. on, based on what your expectations are um, as a, as a company. I think that, so what you're saying right there, I think already happens a lot. You know, bartenders do get a little higher hourly than their servers. Like um, the hotel bar that picked me back up during COVID, you know, they try to hire me as a server because technically they hired everybody who was a bartender because we're short staff. We only needed three people. So you need to be able to bartend and serve. Mm -hmm. So we'd alternate. But they try to do a little sneaky thing where they're like, you're hired as a server. That hourly was five. Whereas if you're hired as a bartender, it was higher. It was 10. Mm -hmm. So it already happens where like if you're titled as a bartender, you're going to get a little higher hourly. The, the problem is, is like to me, $10 an hour doesn't justify if I make $70 in tips that right. night. Because I think that, I don't know, like I'm still making over $100. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just weird. It's, it's so it doesn't seem really thought so out. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't seem thought out. And also it just like, it, it doesn't make you feel like you're working. It's just like, all right, I'm here to do a task mm -hmm. and I get paid a certain amount versus like, all right, I'm here as a professional. I'm here to sling these drinks. I'm here to clear the table. Like I'm here mm -hmm. versus like right now, it just feels like they could, they barely wanted to give everybody 10. And then everything else you make is on you, right. which is. And the, so how do you how how do you hold places accountable for like that poor mentality of like we'll give them the minimum and then they can figure out the rest? It's it's really difficult, and especially in a lot of other places where the like where there's a server wage, right? In a, I mean, if you go to like Tennessee, the server's wage is like three fifty an hour or something like that, and then the you know, and then it's all tips, you know, if the minimum wage goes up federally and that server goes from making three fifty an hour to making 15 an hour, you know, like that's a huge, like when, that, when your rent is like 400 bucks, right? Like that's insane versus being in California where you're like, okay, my minimum just went from 14 to 15 and I'm paying like 1200 <laughs> in rent, you know, like right. that's uh. Yeah, I'm moving to North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm gonna go buy a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gonna live very largely. Um, yeah. So I think it comes down to the fact that you know businesses are struggling right now, um, and the restaurant industry has been struggling for a while um, to get people in the doors. And you know, everybody's in this mindset of I gotta dump prices to get people mm -hmm. in here. Um, and I think it comes down to our customers and our guests who are dining with us. They're looking to save a buck when they're going out to dine. And I think that mentality and that um, just the way of dining nowadays has changed and everybody's trying to be in like big competition with, I'm going to have the cheaper, better food. Um, and I, I hate to see it go that way because that's why every, it, you know, shit rolls downhill 
And, you know, if our guest is not coming in willing to spend, you know, $20 a person, um, your servers are not going to be tenured. They're not going to be paid well. So you're not going to get a good staff. You're going to get terrible service. And it's just like this big mess of, um, this is all shit because the customer isn't willing to actually go out and dine and splurge a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're getting close to um, an hour. So let's, um, let's, uh, let's just get some, some last thoughts. If we have any like closing thoughts, what we want to see, what we'd like to see in the long term, um, when we think this is going to happen or if we th- ever think it's going to happen and what it's going to take. I, for, okay, I'll go okay. first. I think for me, I think the best way to start this movement or like this change of mentality. And like, I, I kind of, I don't know what to say because you did bring up a good point. If you're in California, you're already getting 14 an hour. That $1 raise is not enough. Whereas like if you're in DC and you get two seventy-five an hour, that 15 is huge. Uh, I do think that, the best way to start this is to increase everybody's hourly um, to get rid of the stupid service charge because you don't know where that's going. Unless your restaurant's really honest and transparent, we'll be frank and say that most places are not honest with the service charge. I think that's some bogus. I think that needs to get gone. I think that tipping still needs to happen or like it will still be a thing. I think you're going to have a hard time moving servers and bartenders away from that mentality because in order to secure them to want to make sure that they understand, like, this is the salary. Like I, as a bartender can make 60 K behind the bar. I don't need the tips. Like that's impossible to do right now because restaurants probably can't figure out that money wise. Uh, This is a very long finishing thought because it's just like, you start thinking about one thing and it right. leads to another thought. It's a, it's a complex uh, issue for sure. Yeah. But I, I would say that increasing the hourly, getting away from that, like enough to pay your taxes off is so bogus. Mm. Like I'm there. If I'm, if I'm bartending, I'm probably there for 12 hours. So like, I would like to pay for, get paid for the time that I spent, not just enough to pay off my taxes. And then my tips are what I make my money off of. Mm. So that's my big thing. I, I want to hire hourly tips are just bonuses. I think tips should be more evenly distributed uh, among front of house, back of house, mm. especially in servers, because like you're saying, they're not necessarily putting out the work. They're just serving it. So they're not producing. Austin thoughts. Oh man. You know, I come into this thing and I have a good <laughs> understanding about what I think this, you know, an easy answer would be, but I do kind of like the idea of going tiered, whether, and just being regulated nationally um, when some place is opening a restaurant, I think it'd be awesome to see um, and have those tiers come in with different pay structures and um, have to abide by it um, on a national level um, and be regulated and checked and audited um, to hold restaurants accountable, to be consistent throughout everybody and throughout all the other restaurants in the industry. Um, what those are, I'm not sure, uh, you know, being a lower tier mom and pop restaurant, you're operating this way. Um, and all the other mom and pops are operating this way. Uh, this one, you guys are more corporate owned. You have, um, you know, you're, you're to abide by this kind of tip out policy and this salary policy. Um, and these, you know, more fine dining, uh, top tier, um, you know, professional career oriented restaurants, you're going to operate this way. So I think just to categorize them and uh, regulate it on a national level would be something cool to see. Um, I'm not sure where where I stand on, you know, the amount of salary that somebody should be making, but um, I definitely want to move in the direction of uh, promoting professionalism in the restaurant um, across the board. Uh, I think that the, you know, society is not looking at it in the right way, in the right state of mind. Um, all too often do you see somebody come in and say, you know, well, you know, what are you going to do long-term? What's your, what's your end game? It's like, you know, well, why can't a bartender have enough, you know, manage their money accordingly, put together a nice nest egg and actually mm-hmm. retire. Um, and it is a career mm-hmm. and uh, I want to move in that, that direction. What that is, I don't think that there's an answer. I'd be curious to see what uh, our viewers think and um, what you guys think. But yeah, that's where I stand. No firm answer. Right. Yeah. We, <laughs> we all have like our dreams and like the things that we hope 
to do. And, and we love this industry and that's why we're in it. But I think that, you know, the love isn't, uh, it's not sustainable. <laughs> you can't, you can't pay your rent on love and, um, just enjoying <laughs> stuff and your passion. So absolutely. I think, um, there should be an incentive for people to continue uh, to grow in their role and take it seriously and see a career in it. And there's a lot of opportunities for people, but it's unfortunate that you have to get really creative about it. If you want to make mm-hmm. this in this, this job, a career, right? This is not a side gig. This is not a side hustle. This is my real job. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I'd like to be taken seriously, seriously about it. So I, I think you're spot on about changing the public's perception um, about the job, how much, what it takes uh, to do this, that it is a, a skilled um, kind of position. It's a, it, it is definitely skilled. It takes a long time to master. Uh, it should be taken seriously. It's also about training owners into like what they should be paying people. I think that we need to be honest about how much we make. It's been like the best kept secret for a long time. Um, (laughs) You know, people working the summer months and the holidays, and then they take like three weeks off in January. You know, some people have that kind of uh, setup with their life and they just save their cash. But I think that, um, I think that just, we just need to be honest and talk to more industry people and, uh, be open about what we make because I don't think that it's it should be um, what's the word like a faux pas um, to to say how much you make. I think everybody should it should be transparent, you know, um, and that that's the only way we're going to make progress. Because if you don't talk about it, then the people who are dishing out the paychecks are they have absolute control of what what they can pay you, right? They're going to pay you whatever whatever they want. I think that tipping is going to stay. I think it's what makes our industry thrive. Um, and it, it brings a lot mm-hmm. of personality to places, but I definitely think that most places should be shifting towards a more um, communal approach to their, to their tip outs. Um, and that's, that's from mm-hmm. front and back of house. I think that back of house also deserves some of that. So yeah, yeah. big, um, big dreams, a lot of ideals. Uh, but I think that, you know, with the direction we're going, just creating more discussion about it and working with, with more like owners and stuff like that, it, it'll give us a good opportunity to change these things on a small scale. And hopefully that'll turn into, I don't know, bigger things in the future. So anyways, I want to thank you guys, um, for recording this with me, uh, Morgan, thank <laughs> you so you. much. Um, uh, I'm honored to be your guys' first guest. Thank you. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I appreciate it. I don't think we, I, I think we could have, I think we picked the hardest topic. Definitely. I mean, yeah, there's no, yeah. I don't know, it's all, it's all loose ends from here. I feel scattered brain. I was like, I have all these thoughts <laughs> and I don't know what yeah. to say. Sorry, maybe, maybe we'll do something else. We'll do like a follow-up episode or something like that. Um, I think it would be interesting, um, you know, for this particular topic uh, to get a, an a, array of people. So you got your bar managers, your restaurant bar owner, some guests, cust- like what you would consider guests. Um, and then of course your bartenders and servers. Cause I would, I would have liked to hear server side. I obviously, when I talk about pay and everything, I'm, I'm more like bartender mentality. Mm-hmm. And it would be interesting to see the reactions of servers, like whether they want to help contribute to the conversation or they like it the way it is because they like you know get their money they make their out. money and they leave. Yeah. Our servers yeah, are gonna talk like, so much shit on Morgan. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll look sorry, at getting guys. the server on. Um, sorry, all you servers. <laughs> there's just so much more responsibility as a bartender, you know. Yeah. So um, Morgan, yeah. what uh, where can people reach you or if they want to follow you, uh, where are you at and uh, what's uh, what's going on in your life right now? Uh, I, you can find me on Instagram. Um, COVID has given me the chance and time to really develop my photography skills. So check that out. Um, I'm in DC right now. So I work for an Amaro distillery called Don Chicho Ifigli. Um, 
Yeah. If you're in DC, come by. We're only open once a week. <laughs> I don't know who's, who will be listening, but uh, yeah, mainly if you want to ever reach out to me, I'm on social media the most. Facebook, I don't really use and I don't have a Twitter. So when I say social media, I guess I really just mean Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. And your at's just yeah. Morgan Raylan, right? Yes, sir. Raylan. Uh, should I spell it? Yeah, sure. Spell it. <laughs> M O R G. It's going to be M O R G A N underscore Raylan, R A E L I N. Perfect. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, yeah. We'll see you, you guys. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Austin. Thank you, Morgan. Nice to meet you, I- too. I honestly, uh, when when I first was going to do this podcast, I couldn't think of a solution, but I really, really like your tier system idea. I think it's very comprehensive. And I think like if we're, if this does like change, like the way people want to do their pay structure, it is probably the most organized way. So I liked hearing that. Maybe there's still so much that could happen that needs to be involved. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Hospitality Hoot podcast. Just remember, you can find us on Instagram at White Owl Hospitality. And if you're a bar or restaurant owner looking to expand your concept, you can find us at whiteowlhospitality.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Go ahead, give this episode a like, subscribe to our channel, and follow us on Instagram if you want to interact or if you have any questions. Thanks for watching.